How are you feeling today? I'm all right. I sound a little bit croaky, so this is the James Earl Jones version of the, the rant cast today. <laughs> I'm, you're not my father. <laughs> I am your father. Okay, so uh, in order to make you feel slightly better... Oh, no, wait a minute. This isn't going to work. Uh, we're going to look back at the Sunderland game. Wasn't that a dreadful performance? God, I can barely remember it. Hasn't the international break been the longest ever? It, it, they just they should be done away with. International football is just wrong. I think I think if we lived in Brazil, maybe we'd feel differently about international breaks, and it would be an exciting time for the country to come together. But England are so terrible that they, they. I think the fact that there was ninety minutes where you had the opportunity to watch England be awful has made the international break seem a lot longer. I have to say, I didn't avail myself of that opportunity. But but talking of kind of turgid and unimpressive, uh, that pretty much sums up our performance against Sunderland, doesn't it? We were very lucky to get a point. Yeah, very lucky. Sunderland were much the better side, and I, th- I thought uh, United's midfield was just completely overrun. Paul Scholes. I mean, we've said this before. When when teams either man mark or press Paul Scholes, he he finds it difficult to evade that these days. He just doesn't have the legs to get around the pitch, and and uh, that's what Steve Bruce did. I mean, you know, he identified Scholes as as the machine that makes United tick, and uh, he just put Casemiro on him, and 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 as a result, United. You know, really didn't gain much possession in midfield weren't able to produce many attacks were completely swamped when defending and, and Sunderland really should have wrapped up the game in the first 45 a little bit better from United in the second half but not much I mean, uh, you, you wrote an article called It's the Midfield Stupid, which I thought was particularly appropriate. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk about was the selection of Owen and Makeda to play that first half. Uh, that seemed to me to be a very... We've talked about how many options uh, Ferguson's got uh, up front now. But but starting Owen and Makeda together seemed to be a little bit of a bridge too far. Uh, yes, perhaps. I mean, and given that it's the international break and, and Berbatov's been in fine form and he wasn't injured and he was going to have two weeks off because he doesn't play for Bulgaria anymore, it was a very odd choice. It's true. But, I mean, look, there's there's nothing wrong with rotating the squad and that. You know, I don't really blame Ferguson for doing that. But it it's when he rotates all of them at the same time that we've had problems in the past. Remember the, remember the time when he used to rotate John O'Shea and Darren Fletcher into central midfielder we, and we'd collectively Old Trafford would go, oh no, because yeah. you knew the bad result was coming. And, uh, you know, not quite the same anymore. Of course, Darren Fletcher's been so good over the last two years. I can't say the same for John O'Shea. But, but it had that kind of feel. You didn't need, he didn't need to change two strikers at the same time but but he did and and and, and to be honest I, I don't think that's what caused United's problems we didn't create enough chances to win the game anyway yeah I'm I'm slightly concerned now that that Steve Bruce has been listening to the rank cast um because he's he clearly did take your advice about how to handle Paul Scholes yeah and, uh, well look, it, look it's a sign of uh, you know and uh, yes it is it is the midfield stupid it's where all games are won and lost but um it's a sign of United's underinvestment or you know, investment in the wrong areas in recent times that Paul Scholes has gone from being a bit part player two years ago to now being absolutely first choice and it doesn't always work does it? No and in fact it kind of exclusively works when when the opposition let it work um, which you would think that is going to happen less and less and less because um, but I guess I mean the thing is if 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 opposition managers have to put players on Scholes Perhaps that slightly distracts the team, and there's space created elsewhere. But um, uh, you know that that's where the other other the other personnel 
to maybe perhaps exploit that space um, have not been the best lately. Yeah, United just don't retain possession though. If Paul's not, if Skull's not in the game, yeah. then then you know he's he's the one United player in in the midfield. He keeps and retains possession, keeps sticking out. I mean, so does Darren Fletcher actually. Darren Fletcher's possession stats are very good uh, but that's because he plays a lot of safe balls of course I and mean, that's his job but um yeah without skulls in there then then we, we become a little wasteful yeah and you know it's it's we, we we have talked i feel like we've talked a lot about this um the last time we did a rank cast we had a very extensive conversation about the midfield problems and uh the sunderland game really did bear that out something else we've talked about extensively uh on the rank cast and i would like to talk about uh in some depth again if uh if nobody minds, um, skip forward five minutes or whatever if you're fed up with this stuff. But I, I, I want to talk about the money stuff because um, you, you mentioned underinvestment and and it really isn't going to get any better in the in the near term future, is it? And no, um, of course, United released their uh, annual accounts to June the thirtieth um, last week. And uh, it showed uh, an 83.6 million pound loss. Now you know we have to be we have to be realistic about that when we look at that. And it's a great headline. That's not an 83.6 million pound cash loss. A lot of those are counting losses. Some of the, a very large amount of uh, United's losses are non-cash so like amortizing players down. yeah and that's a, that's very typical for all football clubs do it um you don't actually get to you don't tend to see it in other accounts but it's 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 basically an accounting loss to show that the value of the player drops as his contract runs out and that's a recognition that if you let a player's contract run out he's actually worth nothing to you and yeah. he's only worth something to you if you use player registrations as an asset which united do so uh, Wayne Rooney's was you know, worth, say, thirty million pounds when when he signed his last contract. Uh, as the contract runs out, and it'll have twelve years to run when the next accounts, twelve months to run when the next accounts are published, he he will obviously half or more than half in value in the accounts, and, that, and that's what we you know we have had the amortization figure in there for there are also other non-cash uh, expenses in this year's account so there was a roughly a 20 million pound cost for a, a forex swap it's because the bond is in two uh, lumps what half in dollars and half in pounds and uh, when they took the bond out the exchange rate has changed since the bond was taken out and it's worsened uh, in united's favor so actually the cost of paying given that our incomes in pounds most of it the cost of paying the u.s part of it is 20 million pounds more than we thought it would be now they're not actually going to have to pay the bond until 2017 so uh, that might come so it might come back in our favor so that down. yeah exactly so that's not a cash loss uh, what were cash losses of course were the 43 ish million pounds paid on interest that will rise to about 45 million pounds next year uh, we had seven months of bank interest and five months of bond interest, so a little bit more next year. And, of course, a £40 million cost, effectively, for swapping the debt for one kind to another. Um, and that's a one-off cash loss, so we won't see that next year. So, in fact, next year's accounts will look a lot better. Yeah, and, and also United's cash position is effectively very healthy. So we have £160-something million pounds in the bank at the moment in cash. Um, you have to write a lot off. Uh, unfortunately so we had a, a lot of money up front from Aon the new sponsors 36 million pounds of the 80 million so uh, our cash position relative to the accounts will be 9 million pounds worse over the next four years uh, we also have to write off 
some of the money for the debt swap because we actually have that in cash now we actually pay it although it's in the accounts now we pay it over the next four five six years whatever it is um we then have to write off the amount of money that uh, the Glazer family are entitled to in dividends, um, which you know, they are going to take. It's just a question of when, and they were entitled to take up to $95 million in the last financial year. They didn't. They can also take about 50% of EBITDA um, minus interest, so that's earnings before interest, taxation, other deductions, um, uh, take off the interest payments and then you have your operating profit which is not the United Report EBITDA operating profit of about £101 million as you take off the interest you have what you know, 55 uh, ish uh, take half of that as an entitlement for the Glazers and that's what you're left with um, as your cash so if you want to think about how United might spend their money in the next summer transfer window uh, then uh, you take off all the little bits I've just told you about, including the all the entitlements, the glazers, and you're you're left with some money, uh, which might be you know in excess of forty or fifty million pounds in theory. Okay, so explain this to me like I was four years old. It seemed to me that this was was pretty bad news, um, and your explanation to me just then sort of makes it quite clear why some of this stuff's happened um or how how it, it kind of relates to accounting procedures and stuff but 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 what what are the implications what does this mean um for our financial position how how are we doing are we on the verge of a liverpool or you know a, a, and why didn't the glazers take out any money last year was it pr or or what um i i um i, I can't tell you why they didn't take any money out last year uh, it makes no sense whatsoever so if if uh, so ignore all the nonsense you see on the internet that is not this uh, the only truth is that united's parent company red football joint venture limited has one asset that's the company that owns the picks effectively uh, and this is why there's all this debate about the glazers dividend uh, so red football joint venture owns manchester united that's the one asset therefore one income stream manchester united's profits in order to pay off those picks so there is no doubt the glazers will be taking these um dividends which they're entitled to do under the terms of the bond at some point why they didn't do it yet i have no idea it makes no sense because they're paying a lot of interest daily uh, by not buying it now we do know they bought 20% of them in 2008 they very surreptitiously took uh, 10 million pounds in loans from uh, from United uh, at almost exactly the same time so draw your own conclusions about that one uh, will they do I'm I'm sure they will uh, your other question are United doing well yeah this is a great business it, this this uh, produces a lot of cash United have done extremely well to generate more and more and more cash every year now in in the last financial year we made slightly less on tickets because we had one less home champions league game we didn't have the the semi-final of course and there was a one less cup game i believe something along those lines and obviously no champions league final in comparison to last year so made about eight million pounds less in cash from tickets but the commercial side grew uh largely because of the uh the, the glazer family's strategy of pursuing um, individual country deals so we've seen a few of them recently obviously they've the the uh the, the sports one for the travel um away matches the Conchery toro wines uh the hublot watches uh, we've also had a deal with pccw in hong kong singer beer and, and so on and so on they're doing regional exclusive deals 
uh, because they think it's a way of maximizing commercial revenue. Now, there's a good, there's a good argument to say that they're perhaps overexposed on the commercials now and, and in a very competitive, crowded global marketplace, there might not be an awful lot of room for growth in that. So, you know, but we'll, we'll see next year. Um, right. So, so United, you know, essentially a very well-run business making a lot of money, which has a horrible balance sheet because it owes so much money. So, and and the, the key part of that is the cash flow is very good. Will it be very good next year? Uh, when the Glazers have a choice to make about paying down debt, which is accruing 16.25% interest per annum, or helping United replace the ageing squad. Right. So, um, you, you, you have, when you say like you, you, it doesn't make any sense that the Glazers didn't take any money out of the club last year, do you have any kind of like internal speculation about why that might be the case? Well, if you were them, why might you not take money out? It, it, my my kind of interest is: Do they care at all about the PR side of it? I, I don't. I don't think they do. I mean, they they made their one gesture to that, which was to freeze ticket prices. But yeah. um, I I don't think that uh, suddenly having a hundred million pounds disappear out of United's bank account is going to make is going to make enough of a difference to make Manchester United fans start boycotting games. No. Right. So um, I I don't think that's a the PR thing is a consideration. I can't tell you why. I mean, they, they would be sensible to take it in the current financial year because if they don't, they get into UEFA financial fair play regulation territory. And right. uh, dividends almost certainly are not um, classed as an acceptable expense. Certain things are, so you can actually write off interest and you can write off uh, money spent on the training ground and amortisation of players. And a lot of these accounting things are not counted in the United the financial fair play things and and so in theory United have quite a lot of room to play with but dividends are not so if they move into the next financial year and suddenly take 150 million pounds out which they'll be entitled to by then then uh, United going to fall foul of those regulations so I've been thinking about this stuff a lot and and one of the things um, that that keeps coming back to me is the money from the Ronaldo sale and Sir Alex saying it was available to him to spend on players it in the bond issue, uh, what I got from talking to you about it was that it was very, very clear that that money was not there to spend yeah. on players. And and and, and what do these accounts? These accounts seem to back that position up totally, right? That money is not there. Well, no, well, mm, it, it, look, it really depends on how you answer the question about what's going to happen to the the entitlements and the div- the dividends that the Glazers right. are going to take. So, the the money is there. So the, the account showed an, an, uh, a net transfer spend of about thirty million. Now that's taking into account everything that's happened basically in two windows. Because remember, we bought. Um, Javier Hernandez and Chris Smalling early and yeah. uh, and it looks like the cash for those players went out even though they officially signed on July the 1st and then Bebe is in was a note attached to the account so that came in the next financial year 2010-11 financial year and actually that's interesting that was £8.3 million so um, we'd been told about what 7.4 so it looked like there's an awful lot of money disappearing in uh, agents fees for that one wow yeah his agent isn't his agent isn't Alex Ferguson's son, is he? No, no, it's uh, Jorge Mendes, who's his agent for a, a princely two weeks before he signed for United. Wow, that's, that's some a, that's, that's some good happen. working. You can get that it, isn't it? Great. Um, so look, it really depends on whether you believe the the Glazers are going to take money out of the club or not. Now, if if you believe they're not going to take money out of the club, 
Um, United is in a very, very healthy position, even with all the debt, um, in that we have lots and lots of cash, and we have, it would look, a pretty decent amount of cash ongoing if the Glazers take no dividends out of the club. Um, doesn't mean we're paying down the debt, mind you, uh, but, you know, just about enough money to compete in the transfer market. Um, you then have to ask yourself, what's going to happen to £600 million worth of pick notes in 2017, which... Uh, are owed by Red Football Joint Venture, whose only income stream and only asset, and are effectively secured against that asset, so therefore the club. Um, so the Glazers don't pay that down. The hedge funds in New York, three of them, own United. That's the question you need to ask yourself if you believe the Glazers are not going to take out the money. Yeah, it's a very kind of unclear picture, isn't it? it, it you know, there's you know the tendency to kind of think the worst and 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 to think that they 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 are going to take a huge amount of money out of the club but but essentially they need united to be successful in order for them to make any money right isn't that the case oh, I don't know. well well look united's business model is effectively predicated on on uh, the club making the champions league quarter final right basically yeah yeah. So, so if they don't make the if they if they went out of the group stage, you could you could hive off another ten million pounds or so. Um, and uh, if they didn't make the group stage, you, United made what forty three and a bit million pounds from the Champions League last season. So if they didn't make the Champions League, take forty million pounds out of United's position, and it would look pretty awful. So, yeah, it, it's absolutely essential United do make the Champions League. So that's the level of investment they need to make. That's the calculation. Do they need to win trophies? No. I think if United had come first in the Premier League last season, it would have made, a, well, you know, there, there would have been the, the, the merit payments um, would have added up to a couple of million more. If they'd made the Champions League final, yeah, it, it could have been another, you know, seven or eight million pounds in, in gate receipts and so on. So... To make but, that extra you... potential ten million versus the investment needed in the United squad to make us good enough to do that, you know, you, you, you uh, I don't know, it, you, you take a yes to that. Isn't all the commerce predicated on success though? Is it who blow watches don't want the fourth best team in the Premiership? No, what who blow watches want is the uh, is the brand reach, right? So this is where all those figures about United having three hundred thirty three million supporters worldwide come into play. That's why that's relevant. So you can touch that many people. Um, now, if there was what long term lack of success, would that impact on? United support was well, certainly uh, overseas supporters are, are, are thought to be pretty fickle, so those figures do change uh, year on year depending on who's most successful. Having said that, Real Madrid don't seem to be um, suffering in, in their commercial strategy. They haven't won the Champions League in years. They haven't made the knockout stages in the, the sorry the quarterfinal past the first knockout stage in what six years. So um, no, but but they're consistently going to finish at worst second in La Liga and and United's United are not necessarily in that position with it with the and and Real Madrid are certainly not suffering from a lack of investment in the squad uh, and and so they've they've got you know the allure of Galacticos to counteract whatever kind of you know that they have this this kind of perceived success um, which is, is separate from actual success <clears throat> yeah and and this, this and it's it's very true it's a question that um that uh, as a question of balance, but but if you're asking me, do United need to have the best side in Europe uh, in order to, which which you know, looking at the financials, if we were debt free 
and there was a hundred million pounds okay take off take off tax um but you know say there was seventy million pounds to spend just through profit uh, on players uh, you know we'd be in a very very financially healthy position wouldn't we so yeah. um the 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 cost of the glazers is extremely high um of the few people that are out there still banging their drum, which I have to say is extremely frustrating and very naive of them, and they're very aggressive um, uh, in the commenting on the, on this here website. Uh, but but you know the, that their cost is very high; it's undeniable, and uh, it could be even higher if they start taking those dividends. Well, I guess it's there's it's a kind of a, a wait and see situation, isn't it? It's I mean, the one thing that I find most difficult about this is uh, Alex Ferguson's attitude. Um, that you know, I, I'm not an angry person by 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 nature, but I was I was finding myself kind of it's ridiculous. This is ridiculously over emotive language to use, but feeling a genuine sense of betrayal because so Alex Ferguson has kind of been a, a, a massive supporter of Manchester United. He, it's always felt like he's had the best interest of Manchester United at heart. He's, he's, he's been incredibly successful in creating a, a siege mentality which has included the fans, you know, um, and he, he's, he's milked that support for, you know, for his players, the handling of the Beckham stuff after 98 and all, all that kind of thing. Um, but uh, his support for the Glazers is so kind of anti-fan you know that that kind of well bugger off and support Chelsea kind of attitude then yeah you know um it, it it's 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 almost hurtful and and I don't um I don't I really don't know how I feel about it because part of me wants to say you know actually sod you and your football team and I don't mean the club you know I don't mean the institution I mean Alex Ferguson and, and what he's trying to do at the moment with the team because any kind of action against the Glazers is obviously going to have a massively negative impact on this current squad of players. You know, any any really dramatic action, any kind of boycott or anything like that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think we know that, that there isn't going to be a boycott. There's just, there's just not enough uh, proper leadership uh, in the United supporters groups at the moment. There's not, not enough direction. No one has the balls to say right that's it it's a boycott that we're organizing so um and and you know for partly for understandable reasons it it probably wouldn't work and partly because no one wants to actually be the person that comes out and says that Uh, so it's been left to individuals to make their own choices so i don't think there's ever going to be a mass organized boycott i think the glazers are banking on that and of course it would change the game if there was uh, but there isn't going to be, uh, you know, we we probably have to accept that. I don't get, I don't get Alex Ferguson's position. I never have. I mean, he's massively culpable in this anyway. If it wasn't for him and that bloody horse, the the yeah. uh, J.P. McManus and John Magnier may well never have sold out anyway. I mean, you know, they may well have done. They were investors there for a profit, but um, maybe not at that time to those particular people. So yeah. I think, and you know, and and he was in a very powerful position. He could well have said, "I don't want to work with these people," but he didn't. Instead, he chose to protect himself, and uh, he said a few times that he has people to look after. He had thirty-five employees. Uh, I don't think anyone suggested they were going to sack the entire coaching, medical, youth departments. Um, if he'd said, "I don't think this is right," but you know, that's that's Ferguson's argument. But yeah, I don't understand his position. I don't understand why he has been so aggressively uh, anti-fans. I mean, does he believe that it's hurting the team? I don't think so. I mean, you know, maybe he thinks it has the potential to if there's a protest. But uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think I. 
two things one i definitely get his position because it's a position of self-interest he he wants to you know get this is the very end of one of football's most storied careers ever and he wants to spend the end of that career with successful team well supported on the pitch um uh, winning trophies and winning one more Champions League so he can ride off into the sunset as the greatest of all time you know um, and and uh, an anti-Glazer stance is going to negatively impact on that because you know he needs he wants to keep them sweet so they keep him in his job and you know all, all that kind of stuff so I, I understand it from a position of self-interest um, I, I think it's just very sad and 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 I do think that the 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 people whose best interests Alex Ferguson have at heart are are himself and his staff and his players, the people that he has a kind of close working relationship to and a sense of responsibility for. Because I don't think he has a sense of responsibility for the fans, which in in part is fair enough because it's a a massive amorphous number of people. I just I just think it, it and and the stuff as for the stuff about the boycott, you know, if 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 it's never going to happen then there really is no alternative any any kind of protest is is essentially completely fruitless without really really organized action you know you would have to start attacking united's commercial um portfolio. yeah I, I i totally agree there's there's another march on the 30th before the tottenham game and uh, i had a i mean that's just... had a debate I, I with various people on on uh, twitter this week about it in fact i, I got took a lot of abuse for asking a very simple question it does this march involve all the other groups or is it just yet another splinter group now it seems that it does involve other groups like uh, independent manchester united supporters association manchester united supporters trust that they they're not putting their badge to it and it's just another march right so even if it is a united march and it's not yet another faction within the, the support is it going to do much good probably not no it's it I, I find it we made fun of um liverpool fans for making a protest by marching to the match it's ridiculous. It's 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 a completely and utterly hollow gesture. You are marching slowly towards the destination where you will give a huge amount of money to the people that you're marching right. against. Now, it's- see, this is the difference between fans and customers. The Glazers see you as customers. Yeah, yeah. So all they're interested in is your money. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's it seems to me to be incredibly tokenistic and hollow and and that it's not ever going to achieve you're never going to achieve your ends it's it's a it's a kind of classic thing we we don't want to give up the thing oh i don't know i i understand it. it's very difficult for fans because fans don't want to boycott fans don't want not to support the team you know because that's that's the thing and and we we talked about this a few weeks ago and it, it really kind of comes down to what it is that you're supporting because in in supporting the team you're also funding the glacier regime it's you know it's as simple as that and yeah. as and it's as complex as that yeah well there you go um should we, should we stop talking about money for a bit i think it's not going to be pretty for some time to come let, let's be honest and uh we're talking of not pretty for some time to come 
Wayne Rooney. That's oh. what you're going for, isn't it? That's what oh, you're going ouch. For. Yes, he's neither pretty on the pitch or off it at the moment. And, um, yeah, another horrible performance uh, for England uh, in midweek. I thought he was... Not only did he, he hardly ever get the ball, I mean, he kept coming deeper and deeper to try and get it. But when he got it, the, that kind of burst of pace he used to have that he used to be able to beat a player just wasn't there he just you know and obviously his first touch is horrible at the moment and he had he had a couple of chances which is is more than he's had in some games for United recently and and uh, I suppose he'll take a positive from that but I thought it was really interesting how I mean he made such a point about saying yeah I'm fit and he forgot to stick to the script there with his fake ankle injury right and uh, I'm sure there'll be words being had behind closed doors about that one so he never had an ankle injury this season then. It's just it's just Sir Alex saying that to take pressure off the fact that he really has just lost it. Uh it might be who kn- who knows yeah that that's that's one way of looking at it. Yeah, maybe Sir Alex is taking pressure off. I mean, of course he missed the Sunderland game, he missed the Valencia game, he missed the game at Everton, he missed the game at- yeah, and he missed game at Fulham. So he's missed a lot of away games this season, Rooney has. Um, and it might be a bit of Sir Alex protecting him and uh, Rooney forgot the script. Um, although he contradicts himself, of course. I mean, he he had said before the Sunderland game he he uh, his ankle was feeling a bit sore, but that, maybe that's when he was on message. It's <laughs> it's very strange, and the, and the, the the worrying thing is this kind of very persistent Rooney to Real Madrid rumor that just kind of won't go away. And and the thing that you know, there's a lot of this stuff is press talk, right? And it's a it's a huge story. But when it keeps coming up, when it you know, and and when it kind of makes an awful lot of sense in 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 many ways, he he's he's in that 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 kind of profile of player that Real Madrid go after, and and the idea of moving away from England and moving away from all this kind of this particular kind of media glare has got to be incredibly attractive. On on the flip side of that, of course, uh, he's you know he's a. He's a kind of homeboy, isn't he? He likes the family around. And Colleen, if they're patching things up, likes her family around. And she's got a very ill sister. And I don't think being in Spain is necessarily going to be away from the media glare. They they are, in many ways, even worse than sports papers in terms of following players around. Uh, they are, but they they write in Spanish, which Wayne really yes. can't speak. Yes, um, I, I think the pressure is having Pats outside his house constantly. I mean, you know, right, yeah. may, maybe a fresh start would would mean something for him. I don't know. I mean, of course, the speculation goes with it's kind of intensified because of his situation and also because the, this new contract is not yet signed. Now, um, the reports this week said that it was uh, Rooney himself who'd put a delay to it. We'll see whether that's true or not. I know that. United have, have changed their policy and they're effectively going to try and negotiate deals with players as they enter the last year of their contract rather than the last two years, which is a, 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 a risk, of course, but uh, saves uh, in back payments on uh, new deals. Right, gosh, that's a, that's a pretty big change of approach and, and definitely seems kind of risky. The, the, well, the one thing I was just thinking about is that the rumours about Vidic were incredibly persistent. It was a very sort of similar situation, apart from without the uh, without the infidelities off the pitch being reported. I mean, not that I'm saying he was having infidelities, of, but you know, without there being that that dimension to it, kind of similar situation, loss of form, contract talks, all that stuff. I think Vidic's head was turned, wasn't it? And uh, when when some of those options ran out, I guess Mourinho didn't want him. Uh, then he signed the new contract. But uh, you know, it's a slightly different. I I don't know. I I would I'd still say the the odds against Rooney leaving are very high. I 
maybe he would be pushed into it if, say, United wouldn't come out with the cash to pay him the new deal, uh, and things just didn't get any better for him. Who knows? Maybe United wouldn't see it as a great investment paying him 140 grand a week if he continues in this uh, vein of form. Well, that's that's I mean that's a really really significant factor, right? If he, you know, the, the kind of two thirds of the way through last season, if you'd given him a new contract, then it would have it would have seemed like a bargain at 140,000 pound a week. But I mean, obviously, as 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 we've said before, form is temporary, class is permanent, and this is this seems to be a form issue rather than a class issue. That 140,000 pound a week, you would think, is going to come good at some point because that kind of talent doesn't just disappear because you're having a rough time off the pitch, does it? No, um, no, and you'd expect him to come good at some point. I mean, the pressure's on him now. He kind of really does need a performance against West Brom. He really does. The intense media pressure about his marriage has now died down somewhat, right? There isn't going to be another revelation. We've had it all. It looks like they're trying to patch things up. If he's not injured, he came, he, he wasn't hobbling for England. If his ankle's okay, there's nothing now to stop him going and performing. And uh, I think if he puts in another poor performance against West Brom, then, yeah, there's going to be some serious questions asked about whether he's actually meriting a place in the team, you know, because United have a lot of forward options, as we've discussed before. And and uh, if he isn't going to regain form by playing, maybe he'll regain form just by training and uh, someone else should uh, have a shot at the side. Yeah, I mean, he needs a performance against West Brom in that sense. I don't think he needs a performance against West Brom to justify the whole future of his career. Um, no. But, but but yeah, it's placing the starting eleven for sure. Owen Hargreaves, is, is there some more new? I think they well, might. Well, well, it was um, it's interesting this one because uh, Richard Stedman came out this week and said uh, that he's fit and he should take part in um, the game against West Brom. And this is the doctor who's operated on both knees, and he's the famous Colorado doctor that's operated on Alan Shear and others who um, and Ruud van Nistelrooy and others who'd had their uh, knee problems. But it's interesting, yeah, the famous tactician that is Dr Richard Stedman said that Owen Hargreaves should should play and there's a lot of excitement about it and a lot of media coverage but but um, Ferguson has dismissed it so I, you know you take anything that Ferguson says about players in or out of the team due to injury with a massive pinch of salt because he just routinely lies about it like almost every week he just tells the complete opposite to what is actually the case so he said Owen's not ready he's injured um, and he's missed training for the last few days and uh, said the doctor in Colorado is making statements that are not accurate and it's not fair to Owen to say this and uh, it's ridiculous I picked the team well Ferguson would say that yes um, so I, you I, know. Also, I, also, I also think no one is like making a serious argument that the string at Manchester United are really being pulled by an elaborate international network of doctors. <laughs> yeah, no. So, I, I mean, I guess we're not going to see Owen Hargreaves uh, and, uh, you know, it's still touch and go whether we ever do. I know people got very excited about it and I, I have my ongoing bet with, you know, at Badger Wolf about whether he'll actually come back or not. And, uh, and uh, I really, really, really hope you lose that bet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, hope I, lo- I, I hope I lose that bet too. Although I maintain this is a proper comeback this is not a 30 second cameo it doesn't count oh he's uh, injured again he's got another injury he's got a calf injury according to twitter at the moment um he's yeah well there's, there's yet another injury being talked about it's nothing to do with the knee apparently although the calf is quite near the knee oh, yeah so I, I i suspect when you come back from a very long-term knee injury you get all sorts of other injuries yes associated yeah. with it i'm sure that's true 
Um, we're obviously going to beat West Bromwich. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They're, they're doing so quite well. Un- <laughs> I'm so unconfident about any predictions for like what United. You know what United is going to turn up to use that that football cliche. Yeah, we've done so, all right at home. I mean, we haven't. You know, yeah. the home the home games. Are, well, I suppose ranges aside, haven't been a real problem so far this season. So. Um, you'd expect United to win, but West Brom did go and win at the Emirates the other week. They're what, sixth or something in the table at the moment. They're doing all right. They play nice football. They do, and their ground is the highest ground above sea level in the Football League. Just in case you didn't know that important fact. Wow. That, you see, maybe that's why they're doing so well. It's the thin air in, the, in West Bromwich. Yeah. I don't know. I, I live not far from there, and the, the air's thick. Frankly, it might be it might be at altitude, but there's plenty of uh, leftover pollution in the black country. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I think we're going to win, aren't we? It's, it's pretty pretty inevitable. Um, uh, yes, I, I. You know, I and I think it will be fairly comfortable. I, I would, you know, foresee a two or three nil win, something along those lines. Giggsy's apparently fit, so it'd be interesting to see if he plays a part. I imagine he might come on and substitute. That'd be my guess. Pretty pretty full squad. I, I don't know whether Park Ji-sung is available. He had a knee problem in midweek. Uh, he missed. He travelled all the way to South Korea, then didn't play in their game against Japan. Um, I, I, I love that young man, but I hope he doesn't play because, uh, yes, I, I just I don't like it when he plays for us. Especially yeah. not against West Brom. No, and uh, he's uh, he's not a proper winger, and uh, you know I think if we could, uh, you would assume that the uh, Ferguson will play a four-four-two against West Brom, and, and Rooney and Berbatov will play up front, and it will be the usual back four, I guess. It's uh, not very often I say this, but I think I'd rather Rooney scored than Berbatov. No, no, even with all the stuff that's going on, I still can't bring myself to say it. Well, maybe but... they'll both score. Yes, that's my prediction. Two-nil. One for Rooney, one for Berbatov, and a, and a, and a nice happy day all round uh, on the pitch. And then uh, we're playing some Turkish dudes, right? Bursaspor. The Bursaspor, and I, I will do. I do a good preview of that one. I, I've done an interview with a um, an English speaking Bursaspor fan, uh, so we'll give some insight into them. But uh, there well, was give, a, us a, give us a quick sneak peek. Quick then. sneak preview. They've they've got some good young players. They've got a very good young coach who um, took over Besiktas and got fired, but uh, you know perhaps a little too soon. Um, and they they're first time winners of the Turkish Super League. Last season, they're a regional side from Bursa, so they're not one of the uh, smaller Istanbul sides. Um, first time they've ever won. They've got a when we go there. I mean, this is a home game on Wednesday, but when we go there, that they don't have that kind of um, tight. Welcome to into, hell. No, they don't really have that kind of. You know, they have volatile, passionate fans as they are all through Turkey, but um, but Racist. not. I, I think passionate is <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Vol- volatile passion. Not at all a stereotype there. No. Those volatile passionate Turks. No, this this is true. Shame. Shame <laughs> on me for, for stating the obvious. Um <laughs> So yes, uh it, it's it's not quite the same the ground as as some of the others that United fans might have experienced. Um but in terms of the side I, I they're probably just not very good. Uh Valencia beat them four nil and uh even Rangers gave them a game, didn't they, uh, the other yeah. week? So um, I, I I wouldn't expect much uh, from them at Old Trafford, except you know they're, they're going to enjoy their day out, and and United should win comfortably. Now, of course, the risk in that is Ferguson will decide that he's going to rotate, and uh, so it could well be that we see people like Paul Scholes and Ryan Giggs on um, on Saturday against West Brom, but we don't see them 
against uh, Bursa. Uh, obviously, we've got the game against Stoke coming up um, away at the Britannia. That's, that's always a tough game. Um, you'd be thankful you're Antonio Valencia safely in a hospital somewhere rather than Antonio Valencia safely in another hospital after the game. After the match, yeah, yeah. he gets to break his leg all over again. I, I don't know, it's this, this, this leg breaking stuff. Carl Henry should never, ever, ever, ever be allowed to play professional football again. Oh, outrageous. He is, hey, he's, uh, it really is despicable. I mean, I, you know, it's, 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 it's not, the, that's not the game we play you know it's that, that's it's, it's terrible it's, I, I i have to say i'm with danny murphy and uh yeah i, I think he's causing more controversy by naming teams and um and obviously blackburn had a pretty negative reaction to that as you'd expect but um and you know look tackling where it's clean is fine i think the problem is the the speed players come out with and they say oh i got the ball but then they take the man and yeah. uh it's it's not acceptable is it and um, this is this is a, a problem, and maybe it's just highlighted by the additional TV coverage we have these days. Um, you know, I'm sure in yesteryear there were even more injuries because it really was a physical game then. But I, I you know, we, there's Carl Henry's tackle last week was outrageous, and and so was Nigel De Jong's. I mean, he's wrapped his oh, face. Yeah. So this is a this is a style that Steven Gerrard is so favoured of. Uh, it causes that kind of problem. He does break legs and. Um, and yeah, so I'm I'm with Murphy on this one. I I do think there are certain teams, and Stoke are one of them, uh, that are are out there to uh, to play a very physical, high tempo game. And uh, I'm afraid those um those two things go together with injuries. Yeah, and 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 I just I just think that the consequences for the players that do those sorts of things should be so much more severe. I mean, Nigel Young, Nigel De Young's um, foul in the World Cup final. It's just common assault. Yeah, you know, it's it's it's, it's, it's pretty simple, you know. Of course, he and didn't get sent off against Newcastle, did he? He, uh, I don't think he even got a yellow card, and uh, and uh, if he did, the FA won't take any further action. If he didn't, they might do, but um, I'm and, suspecting and uh, no further action will be taken against uh, Nigel Young. That no further action rule is a, don't don't get me started. But anyway, it's been a long rant cast. It's nice to be back on the uh, internet airwaves please do give us a shout uh, cast at unitedrant.co.uk um, is the email address you can also uh, hit us up with a comment on the page on United Rant you can follow me on Twitter at UTD Rantcast and you can follow Ed at United Rant um, you can also hit Ed up on Facebook what's the name of the Facebook page? United Rant Fans yeah, United Ramp fans. And uh, the other thing you can do if you would uh, feel inclined to do it is uh, chuck us a review on uh, iTunes. Uh, slightly more labour intensive, but if you do enjoy the podcast, um, put, put a nice word in for us there. It helps uh, with uh, other people looking for informed and entertaining United opinion. Um, if we can misinform them that this is the, this is that. And oh, no, actually, no, it's, it's not fair. You're, you're very well informed. I, I, my opinions are just the ramblings of a, 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 a an admiring fan but but it's, it's it's nice to talk to you about all that money stuff ed because uh, i really feel like it's incredibly complex and kind of not not too easy to grasp so thank you for letting me ask you really basic questions about it over that's here. all right there, there are other good sources for money if you don't want to take my word for it uh, check out andersred.blogspot.com obviously and also uh, the swiss ramble he did a very good in-depth piece on uh, united finances this week Excellent. So uh, we'll be back uh, same time next week.